Welcome to God Mode, Living Life Undefeated. Join us each week as Pastor Chris delivers a message to encourage, challenge, and empower you to live life in God Mode. All messages can be listened to at www.godmode.life. Let's join today's message. Hey, welcome everybody to God Mode. Thank you so much for tuning in again today. You know, let me update you in case you're just kind of tuning in today. Today, we're actually concluding a four-part massive series. It's called The Good Work, and we're looking at an incredible story about an ordinary guy from the Old Testament named Nehemiah, who does this very, very good work. And here's what I know about you, and I believe this with all my heart that you are not created by an accident, that by the providence and the goodness of our God, he knew exactly what he was doing when he made you. He formed you, he gave you gifts, passions, desires to do something that makes an eternal difference in this world. And that today, I believe the Spirit of God will speak to many of you who are listening and stir you, shake you, move you to inspire you to do the good work for the glory of God. I believe that God has a good work for every single one of us to do, things that make eternal difference. So let me bring you up to speed about Nehemiah. And just in case you missed the early weeks, I hope that you'll go back and listen. I believe there's something good in there for you, for sure. So who is Nehemiah? Nehemiah was this ordinary guy from the Old Testament. He wasn't a prophet, not a pastor, not a king, not a warrior, not a building contractor. He was a regular guy who was actually serving the king of Persia in a role known as a cupbearer. He was kind of like a consultant or a servant or an advisor to the king. And he heard from his brother about a plight of his people. And if you missed earlier weeks, we studied that in the year 587 BC, under the reign of the evil king Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians came in and completely destroyed Judah, crushed Solomon's temple, burned the gates, left the city in complete ruins. And literally thousands and thousands of Jewish people were taken into captivity. Decades passed and no one could seem to rebuild the wall. Then one day, Nehemiah's brother traveled to see Nehemiah and told him about the plight of his people, and Nehemiah's heart just sank. He was broken on the inside because of the people of God who were vulnerable. I mean, they had no leadership, no direction, and so Nehemiah started seeking the heart of God. And you'll notice over and over again, he prays through, all through the book. You'll see 12 different times recorded in scripture that he prays and he seeks God. He goes before the king and he asks permission to leave his job, travel back to his homeland, try to access this situation and perhaps assemble some people to, to believe that God could maybe do through him what had not happened through anybody else. Perhaps God could use him to lead the people to rebuild the wall. At first, things did not go well. Eventually, they started to make progress. But what do we know? As soon as we start to make spiritual progress or process, right? As the work goes down, the opposition always heats up. The moment you start creating movement on behalf of the things that matter to God, 
your spiritual energy will show up and try to really resist you, right? Your spiritual enemy will show up and try to resist you. The very work that God put in your heart. In fact, I always say this, if your enemy can't destroy you, he will distract you. He will do whatever he can to take your eyes off your mission, off your calling, off your purpose, and distract you from God's will. And that's exactly what happened in this story. The wall started to go up. The enemy sent Balat, Tobiah, and a guy named Geshem. I mean, that sounds like an enemy. Geshem showed up and tried to distract Nehemiah off of the job. That's why the title of this message today is Shut the Door on Distractions. Shut the Door on Distractions. Let's look at Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, and you'll see the enemy's plan to divert Nehemiah off of God's mission. The scripture says this, Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall, and that's no gaps remain. I mean, this was a miraculous accomplishment, though we had not yet set up the doors and the gates. So what does Sambalat and Geshem do? They sent a message asking me, asking Nehemiah to meet him at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. Nehemiah, stop building the wall. Stop doing the good work of God. We don't like you. We're trying to stop you. Meet us at one of the villages in the plains of Ono. Here's tip number one. You might want to write this down. Whatever you do, never meet with your enemies in a place called Ono. Don't ever do it. Whatever you do, don't go to Ono to meet with your enemies. You see, what's interesting to me when you look at this it's, is to think about perhaps how someone like us today in our context might have translated that opportunity to meet with the enemies. Think about what we might say. Oh my gosh, they hate me. They don't like what I'm doing. This is an opportunity to convert my critics. Or this is an opportunity to go and expand my influence. Can I use our language of today? This is an opportunity to build my brand. I mean, this may be an opportunity for me to reach more people, establish and build my name. The problem is we often think what is an opportunity, God calls a distraction. So often what we think might be an opportunity to do something more is actually a distraction from our enemy trying to take us off to divert us from the very purpose for which we have been created. The enemy says, please come meet with us. Please come meet with us. Please. We're trying to distract you. I would argue that perhaps there's never been an easier time to be distracted in the history of the world than it is today. So many distractions everywhere you look. I mean, today it is so easy, have you noticed? To become great at doing things that don't matter. It's never been easier to be passionate about wasting your time. If the devil can't destroy you, he'll get very excited simply distracting you. So what do we see in this story? The enemies, the critics, they asked Nehemiah for a meeting. Hey, let's have a meeting. And Nehemiah rejected the meeting. Why? So he could stay on task and keep building the wall. Nehemiah, will you meet with us? No. Nehemiah, can we have a meeting? No. Nehemiah, we want to talk about your philosophy and we want to see another way. No, no, no. 
I mean, I will submit to you that one of the most strategic skills that you can develop in order to do what God has called you to do is the ability to say no to other things that might distract you. No is one of the most important words. In fact, if you ask me in my life today, I would say, right now, I am trying to make my default answer to become more important to the task that would be in front of me. My default answer to almost anything that comes my way is going to be no. You can actually grow with your no's, not your yeses. I don't want to be distracted by the things that would take me out of God's perfect will. How do you say no? When someone asks you, can I have a meeting? Can we do this? Can you come do this for me? How do you say no? What I want to do is I want to teach you today very carefully how to say no. The way you should say no is just like this. You say it just like this. No. That's how you do it. I'm not going to show you again because I know there are some of you that might have missed it. Come on, I'm going to show you one more time. The way you do it, the technique actually kind of matters. You, maybe you need to tilt your head slightly to the side and then you say it. You don't have to have a frown. You don't have to be angry. You can even smile, but you bring your head slightly down and then you just say it. No. Just like that. No. Come on, if you're listening, try it. No. You don't have to move your face just right. It really doesn't matter. Are you going to do it? No. Do you want to buy it? No. Are you going to go? No. Here's the deal. Don't say maybe when you mean no. Don't waste my time. Don't waste anybody's time. Get ready. This is going to set you free because no is a complete sentence. You don't even have to say no because. No, no, no. I mean, even Jesus, especially Jesus, often said no. I mean, there'd be crowds of people and he'd heal a lot of them. And then he'd say, hey, I'm done for the day. And he would walk away. He wasn't being mean. He was being wise. There were many times he would say no to the crowd so he could say yes to his father. I need some time with my father. And I want to talk to you just for a moment as leaders. Those of you who are leaders and you're going to make a difference, no is one of the most important things. You cannot be available to everyone all the time. If you're always available to everyone, eventually you'll have nothing to give to anyone. We must be strategic about our no. We don't say no just because we don't care. We say no because we really do care about what God has called us to do. Just because you could do something doesn't mean you should do it. Four different times, four different times, the enemies ask for a meeting. You meet with us. Will you meet with us? Will you meet with us? Four different times, Nehemiah gives the exact same answer. No, I'm not going to do it. Let's talk. Stop building. No, 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 no. The fifth time, Scripture says this. The fifth time, Sambalat, this is that bad guy, his servant came with an open letter in his hand, and this is what it said. There's a rumor. That's how I always say it. There's a rumor. There's a rumor. Side note, do you know what rumors do? Rumors are carried by haters, spread by fools, and believed by idiots. Did I just say that out loud? Maybe I did. Well, there's a rumor. There's a rumor among the surrounding nations, and guess him. He's another bad guy. 
Gessen tells me it's true. The rumor is that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and that's why you're building the wall. According to his reports, you plan to be their king. There's a rumor. Don't let the whispers of people distract you from the call of God. Don't let it happen. Don't let it pull you away. I hope you'll understand. You will never do big things if you're distracted by small-minded people. We're never going to let the opinions of others take us away from the calling of God. In fact, I had a mentor tell me this, and this will speak to some of you who are dealing with critics right now. But my mentor told me, don't worry about what people say about you. Worry about what's true about you. Just live a life that honors God. And don't let the critics, don't let the haters knock you out of God's mission. There's a rumor. This guy, the guy says, Nehemiah, that you want to be king. He replies in verse 8, and there's no truth in any part of your story. You're making the whole thing up. Here's what happened. Instead of letting this opposition discourage Nehemiah, oh, they don't like me. I can't please everybody. We're never going to get this job done. Instead of letting it discourage him, God simply made him more determined. Our God is with us, and we're going to do it. Watch how it was described in the very next verse, verse 9. They were just really trying to intimidate us, imagine that they could discourage us and stop the work. So what did Nehemiah say? So I continued the work with with even greater determination. I just continued on. No voice of people will talk me out of the calling of God. In fact, if you read it in the text. What I love about this is the way they work. If you read very carefully, they're building up this wall and they would work with a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other. I don't know about you, but I think that's cocky. That's the kind of way that I want to preach, man. I want to have the Bible in one hand and I've got a weapon and I've got the sword of the spirit and things are actually the same thing. So the analogy, you know, that kind of breaks down. My Bible does it all. You got a tool in one hand and you got a weapon in the other. And we're prepared to do the good work of God. And whatever opposition tries to take us off, it doesn't discourage us. It builds our faith. Our God is with us. And we do the work with even more determination. What do we know? Once the wall starts going up, once God starts to bless whatever you're doing, because what I know about you is you were created for more, that God gave you gifts to make a difference in the church as the church out in the world. And the moment you take your step of faith, you may see some progress, you'll, but you'll see some resistance. You'll see the hand of God build your faith. And one day with the hand in the favor of God, you'll start making a difference in the life of maybe students. You'll start making the difference of discipling people in small groups. You'll start being a light and witness to people that you work with. You'll start being a voice of love and hope to those who aren't experiencing that love and hope. And when that starts to happen and God starts to use you, you have to be careful that you don't let external success do internal damage to your heart. You see, what's really easy, if you're not careful, when you start seeing increase, when you start seeing success, is for us to start thinking it's because of us. 
that we're actually entitled to a little bit more. In fact, one of the biggest dangers of any kind of success, and Nehemiah would have to face this temptation to start leading with an entitled spirit. You have to watch that when you're successful, and I want you to see how Nehemiah dealt with this temptation to be distracted with this entitled spirit. In verse 10 says this, Nehemiah said later, I went to visit Shemaiah and he said to me, so here's this new character and this guy's got some inside news for his buddy Nehemiah. And he said to him, hey, let's meet together inside the temple of God and bolt the doors shut. Why? Because Nehemiah, your enemies are coming to kill you tonight. So here's this guy who says, Nehemiah, hey, I'm your buddy. I've got some intel. Your enemies have a bounty on your head, and they're coming for you. Let's you and me go into the temple of God. We're going to lock the doors, and we're going to be safe from your enemies. What's interesting is that Nehemiah actually had the authority to go into the temple. But if he did so for personal gain and not for the glory of God, he would have been abusing his power. He'd be sinning against God, and he would lose credibility with the people that he was leading. So what did Nehemiah do? Watch what he does in verse 11. Scripture says this, But I replied, Nehemiah says, Should someone in my position run from danger? Should someone who in my position enter the temple to save his life? No, I won't do it, he says. I realized that God had not spoken to this guy, but that he had uttered this prophecy against me because the Tobiah and Sambalot, the bad guys, had hired him. This guy was actually a traitor. They were hoping to intimidate me and make me sin. Then they would be able to discredit me. And here's what Nehemiah says. I'm not going to hide out. I'm not taking any special privileges. I refuse to lead with an entitled heart. In other words, this wasn't about me when we started, and it's not going to be about me now. Feel it, Nehemiah? I mean, I didn't come to make a name for myself. I came to build a wall, and that's what I will do. Nothing will distract me from that. Any diversion, any distraction, any temptation to do anything else, no, I won't do it. I say no to everything else because my purpose is to say yes to God's calling in my life. We have to watch for it. Whenever and whatever you do starts to succeed and grow and to blossom, no, I will not lead with an entitled spirit. That's what we have to say. I'm here because of the faithfulness of my God. I've served him in the beginning, and I'll serve him all the way through to the end. What happens? The enemies, they don't go away. I don't care how successful you are. They still show up. In fact, new levels often equals new devils. Somebody said that. So just get ready. They're still coming. Sambalot, Tobiah, and Gresham, they continue to taunt him. They tried to discourage him. They threatened his life and tried to distract him. And in verse 3 of Nehemiah 6, I think is probably my most favorite verse in all the book of the Bible. Finally, Nehemiah responds. And let me tell you what he didn't do. He didn't come down off the ladder. He stayed on the ladder, kept building the wall, and he sent this message. I sent the message to them saying, I'm doing what? I am doing a great work. If you remember in week one, chapter two, we looked at this and Nehemiah said, let the good work begin. He knew when he started it, it was a good thing. 
But as he continued to see the faithfulness of God, he realized this just isn't a good work. You see, this is a great work. This is something that my God created me to do. Put me in the exact place at the right time with the right king to grant me the right, the provision to do the right purpose, to go back and inspire the right people. To do something that will outlast me. This isn't just a good work. This is a great work. And Nehemiah sends the message to his haters, to the doubters, to the critics, and says, I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. I'm doing a great work. I can't be bothered by your opinion. I'm doing a great work. Your criticism will not deter me from doing what God created me to do. I'm doing a great work. You know, why should I stop and leave and come down to you? I'm doing this work. I'm not trying to do something that's impressive. My God has called me to do something important. I don't answer to you. I'm not trying to be popular. I'm just living out my purpose. I can't come down. I don't know who is going to speak this to today, but you need to hear this. Maybe it's I'm envisioned perhaps a mon with toddlers, right? Drunken squirrels with diapers all over all the time. And I hope you'll hear it. You'll feel it because you want to do other things perhaps in your life right now. You're feeling a longing to do something different. And I hope you realize that this season won't last forever. And what you're doing right now is a great work. Embrace the great work and don't come down. The season will pass and you can do more. You're doing a great work. Don't come down. You know, I'm visualizing somebody that maybe wants to pay off debt. It's a slow dollar by dollar by dollar. And the hill feels so big. Just tell the enemy whenever you hear that you'll never make it and it's not worth it. No, no, I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. I'm doing what God has called me to do and I can't come down. Some of you are trying to love someone in the, maybe in the student ministry, you know who I'm talking to, that seems like you just can't reach them. Their heart seems so far and you feel like giving up. Nope, nope, I won't give up. I won't back off. I will not stop. You see, I am doing a great work and I can't come down. You have a vision for something, a heart for something, and you want to make a difference. And it seems like you take two steps forward and three steps back but you don't give up the fight. You know that if you stay in the game and you don't grow weary in doing good, that at the proper time, our God says, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. No, 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 no. You don't understand, right? This is a calling. This is a burden, and I cannot shake it. I'm doing what God put on my heart to do. I'm doing a great work, and I can't dick down. You know, verses 14 and 15, it's a crazy, miraculous story. But when you see the results, but I want you to see is that there was not a supernatural miracle from heaven. It was a leadership miracle with the favor of God through the hands of ordinary people. And let me show you this miracle. In verse 14, Nehemiah says, remember, oh my God, He's praying again. He's talking to God. The same God that called them is the same God that equipped him. The same God that stood with him. The same God that empowered him. The same God that brought him favor and victory. Remember, oh my God, all the evil things that Tobiah and Sambalot have done. And remember Nodiah, the prophet, and all the prophets like her who have tried to intimidate me. So on October 2nd, the wall was finished. Just 52 days after we had begun the good work, 
52 days. What I love about this is that there was no supernatural miracle from heaven. Notice this. There was no talking donkey. There was no fire from heaven. There was no burning fish. There's no bricks just falling on each other. There's no parting of the Red Sea. There's no army of 10-foot angels, eyes blazing, fire-wielding heavenly chainsaws, singing, here we are, the champions, right? There's none of that in this whole story. There was just an ordinary guy whose heart was broken by the plight of his people. All the way back from the first one we did, the first week we started, he sat down to cry, he knelt down to pray, and he stood up to act. All through the story, he sought God faithfully. He made his plans carefully. He inspired people passionately. He pushed back the critics, and he kept his eyes on the prize. Whenever the enemies would try to distract him, he said no to anything that was lesser because he was saying yes to his greater work. In verse 16, this is what the scripture says. When our enemies... When our enemies, all the people that had tried to stop it, when our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, the wall has been built. They were frightened and humiliated. And they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. Who was that? Who was it that was glorified? The one who called for it, the one who empowered it, the one who opened the doors, the one who made it possible. The one who was glorified through it was our God, and there was, and he was there in the beginning. And our God was there in the middle, and our God was there in the setbacks, and our God was there in the victory. And wherever you are in the process right now, our God is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is empowering you. He is storing up within you. He is reinforcing his calling. No man can talk you out of it. And when your enemies come against you, your God is still with you. Greater is he, the one who is in you, than the one who is in the world. All things are possible. And when the enemy tries to talk you down, just look down and say, no, 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 and no. I am doing the great work. And I'll never, ever come down. With all this said, four weeks of inspiration, four weeks of preparation, four weeks of motivation from my God. Somebody, I hope you needed to hear this. You will never finish what you don't start. So sit down and cry, kneel down and pray, and stand up and act. And let the good work of no, 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 excuse me, let the good work begin. Everything you do, do it all for the glory of God. And I hope that by the power of the Holy Spirit, these last four weeks have inspired you for those things that God has broken you for, that even now, some of you are going to step out and begin that. Some of you are going to step into new ministries. Some of you are going to step into new leadership roles at work. Some of you are going to step into and be inspired to do things that you never thought you could do because the Spirit of God is calling you. He's created you. You were made for such a time as this. Don't let the discouragement get in because like we've always said, you need to rewrite your headlines. And some of us need to step out and still do the things that God has called us to do, no matter how we get distracted or no matter what somebody says about us. God bless you. I hope you'll join us next week as we'll start something new that God would just put on our hearts to encourage us, to challenge us, and to empower us to live life in God mode. Life, just ability to overcome everything. God bless you. We'll see you again next week.
Thank you for listening to today's message. You can hear all of Pastor Chris's messages at www.godmode.life. Join us next week as we continue on in this series. Please leave a review of this podcast at podchaser.com.